Hello and welcome to Eyes in the Dark. We are a horror movie podcast with a simple motto, and that motto is Death by Celluloid. I am Chewy, part one third of the unholy trinity that you are joined by here tonight. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with a little bit of business here up front uh, before we uh, get through some of the rest of the intros. Uh, you can reach out to the show via Twitter at EITDPod. That's EITDPod on Twitter. You can also send us emails at uh, eyesinthedarkpodcast at gmail.com or you can visit eyesinthedarkpodcast.com and drop us a line through there or stuffandthingsnetwork.com because we are part of the Stuff and Things Podcast Network. There's a little contact form there. You can fill that out. It goes directly to us and we can go ahead and hear all your complaints, concerns, questions, comments, observations. You can correct us, whatever the case may be. So with that out of the way, let's go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about ourselves. Again, I'm Chewy. One third of the Unholy Trinity here, uh, also on a couple of the other shows on the Stuff and Things Podcast Network. Um, I got into horror movies. I, we like to talk about how we got into horror movies up front and how you can reach out to us. So I got into it mostly through uh, the zombie flick and like the Asian horror movie. Um, I'm joined here by my cohorts. Here I have Evan. Oh yeah, me. That's Evan, and then I also have here. <laughs> James, Dr. Jurassic Price, resident film knowledge expert. Hey, oh, what's up, bitches? <laughs> that's that's James. Uh, you can reach me, Chewy, uh, at Chupacabra. That's C-H-E-W-P-A-C-A-B-R-A on Twitter. Uh, Evan, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into it, and how do people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, I'm the two slash three of the podcast. My name is Evan, and uh, I got into horror... Um, by having a shitty childhood and just watching whatever the hell I wanted to. Uh, so I watched a lot of horror films and slasher films and it ruined my life. But that's me. <laughs> you can get at me at Twitter at, at Evan the Braun. And how about you, Dr. Jurassic Price? Uh, hit me up at uh, Jurassic Price on the tweeters or the iGrams. Um, you know, I got into horror because uh, my, my uh, parents were, you know, really really into high society life having social parties and at these social parties they just watch a lot of really creepy movies and have creepy music on and so i just kind of grew up as part of the family and i just you know would drink a uh, little pig's blood and watch some scary movies <laughs> i wish i had that child life that's that that would be a considerable step up from the child life that you had yeah can we start calling instead of calling it childhood can we call it child life yeah child life is <laughs> what i would call it child I think it's appropriate. life you just get that like tattooed on your neck, child life. On oh, my across my stomach. <laughs> yeah, instead of my thug life. Stomach. <laughs> yeah, child life. You but know? like written in like backwards and like crayon. Yeah, like crayon. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean child life? That means I still eat that baloney, dog. I still make faces <laughs> in my baloney, bitch. <laughs> I stick my tongue out of strangers. <laughs> just did, random. Did you guys like feel that. a little red plastic stuff around the edges of baloney? Oh yeah. Slices off. Yeah. Get that out of there. Yeah, nobody wants to eat that. Right. I actually used to. So when I was in high school, yeah, yeah, I was a wrestler in high school, and I was lean and mean. So I eat, I eat whatever the hell I wanted. I would eat like sixteen times a day. That's exactly yeah. Right. But <laughs> my ritual when I got home was I would just eat salami all day. Yeah, and I used to. That's where it comes from. Yeah, that's where you're. I love used to do for... the same thing though with bologna, like like you're... bologna. I used to take the edge of salami yeah. and like peel it off the edge. 
Oh, no, that's good stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. I would eat it. Oh, okay. But I would peel it. It was like a ritual. It was like I'd peel the the outside, eat it, and then eat the salami. Did you eat the waxy redness of the bologna? No. Oh, okay. I didn't really eat bologna in high school. That was like a kid thing. You are eating salami right now. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) I am eating. I'm currently eating a salami and just slice. We get a wrestle later? Yeah. I think we have to go on another salami run after this because I don't have any more after that. I'm not going to eat all of it. I'm gonna wait till these crackers are done, and then I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm but gonna the quit. amount that's left, I'm. It's not gonna be enough for my next for sitting you. of salami for your for your next craving. I, I I make like a whole platter. Oh, I'm, and I do like I agree. I'm the, the same cheeses, way. and I do the you know various crackers and and meats, and then I I have some beer or whatever, and then I'm just like. When I'm watching one of these horror movies and they're like cutting people up, I just pretend like, oh, this is a little piece of yeah, the guy. You, that's, you, that's weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have a uh, baby baby skin uh, on that platter? Mate, is that like is that pretend. like is that like pancetta? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I swear, at one point in this movie, yeah. someone talks about eating baby flesh. Yeah, she right? says she says just the, uh, also the flesh. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like we're like. Like shitty fancy people. <laughs> like we eat like yeah. like nice meats and cheeses yeah. on well, platters, but then quote, we drink quote, beer nice. and act like assholes. Quote, nice. No, for me, well, here's the by thing. Ni- yeah, by nice cheese, you mean the same cheese they put in Lunchables. No, yeah. I I go I I go all out. You I buy go, like fancy yeah. shit. You get fancy. I cheese. buy fancy cheese. I go to oh, like, like Target. Like no, yeah. <laughs> I go to Target. Shredded Colby Jack cheese. And I just get the Colby Jack, like, Mexican block. Blend. Yeah, the Mexican <laughs> blend block. And I get the cheddar block. And then, like, if I'm feeling fancy, I'm like, oh, I'm a little herb goat cheese there or whatever. Some monster. And then, and, then, <laughs> and then I just slice it up. It's just, it's literally Lunchables. See, that's my least favorite part is slicing the cheese. Yeah. I wish it came from oh, I got this sweet new cheese you board. Don't, you don't like cutting the cheese? No. no. I love cutting the cheese. What about the baby flesh? <laughs> I got this sweet uh, cheese board thing. It's got like a cheese cutter built into it. Yeah. I'm stoked to use it. You got to use the one that has like the wires. That's what it is. It's a the wire. Hell, the Hellraiser cheese cutter. And it's not multiple. It's one wire. So I still got to like. Uh, yeah. It's like one of those like. Yeah. Like the, use the ones that like they use that you can use for like slicing hard boiled eggs. Oh, yeah. That's Put a piece smart. of cheese in there. Put a piece of cheese in there. Same so anyway, this this is not a podcast about lo- lo- adult lunchables. It's we about should make a podcast movies. about fine cheeses, though. We should. We just call it like cutting the cheese, fine yeah. cheeses, and adult lunchables. There you go. Um, but this is this is a horror movie podcast. Um, and with that, you might say, okay, cool, horror movie podcast. Why is it different? Well, one, there's a certain charm with the three of us talking about meats and cheeses. But uh, furthermore, we, we do have a mission with this, James. Dr. Jurassic Price, being the eloquent person that you are, why do we do this show? What's the purpose? Why, why are we here? Well, unlike maybe our cheese tastes, we are here to uh, maybe take a little deeper look at the horror genre as a whole and see if maybe, you know, the canon of films, well, some of the films within the canon of horror movies uh, belong, maybe... Uh, belong in the upper echelons of Hollywood movies and or non-Hollywood movies <laughs> yeah. uh, that people don't give them credit for. So maybe they maybe uh, they do deserve more critical acclaim than what people give them. Sorry about that. I was looking at Evan and he was making silly He's faces. Worried about how high the echelon is for the cheese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cheese echelon. Cheese echelon. <laughs> um, cool. So it's been a little while. If you're, if you're a returning listener, welcome back. 
If you're a new listener, welcome. Yeah, sorry welcome. guys. Sorry guys, I had a baby. Yeah, so it's been a little while since the last episode because was it Rosemary's baby. Was that the New Year's Eve song? There's a baby and he is born and he's the devil's son. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um. So you had a baby. Yeah. Since the last time that we did this, uh, this show, tis true, and that's part of what inspired this uh, particular movie that we're doing. We're doing Rosemary's yeah. Baby. Um, but do you want to speak with your yeah. Rosemary's Baby's name? Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Oh. Is there anything you want to say about your child and your baby? My baby's no? my baby's name is Harlow, but her middle name is Rose. <sighs> uh, Rose Ripley. Yeah. Um, Harlow Rose, Rose yeah. Ripley. We did Brown. this movie because I was really secretly hoping that she would be the child of Satan. I was hoping that <laughs> Satan would push me aside and rape my wife. Oh, um, I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> Doesn't your wife listen to this show from time to time? Damn it. She uh, won't anymore. Edit it. Edit this out. Edit no. This out. Damn uh, it. Not a thing that I will do. I'm just kidding. Ever. That um, involves just, more work. Just tell her it was my voice. Yeah. No. It, hey, yeah. I'm my heaven. <laughs> yeah. I really wish... I, I, didn't salami. I didn't say that. I love you, Natalie. I love you, Natalie. Um, I wish my child was the child of salami. That would be awesome. I'd probably eat my child. Oh, I'd man. be a cannibal. Um, <laughs> Another no. deep, dark tunnel we went down right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, my kid's rad. She poops a lot and she cries. Can we jump right into a pressing question? We're going to all assume, obviously, that you've watched Rosemary's Baby and or you know the story. So let me ask you guys this this question. Would you have killed your baby if you found out it was the son of Satan? I don't know. If you were Rosemary, would you have, you know. I don't know that I would have killed it immediately on the spot because of the circumstance under which... She had access to the baby. And the yeah, it was it was a room full of people yeah. that wanted it to live, so I might die. And gotcha. the fact that I birthed it might be like, yeah, you killed it, but too little, too late. It's because of you. Um, I I would have for sure run out of that room. I w- I wouldn't have stuck around. I don't think, hmm. but. I possi- killed it. Possibly killed it right then and there, taking yeah. that knife and just gone for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, if they're going to kill you, it's like, well, at least Satan's kid isn't on yeah. Earth. Yeah, I feel and like... I could have come back, I guess, but whatever. I agree. I might have might have burned up into a fit of rage and, and just stabbed that knife into the baby's head. But then there's, like, the other thought where it's like, well, are these people just nuts and just saying that? No, and, after I saw it. Yeah. After, oh, yeah, after I eyes, saw it. The eyes. I would have been like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then, in a fit of rage, murdered it. Yeah. Stab you. Stab you. Stab you. Not thinking about self-preservation though, because that's a I good point. The cheese. Well, I might have been like, I gotta get the fuck out of here, and then like run out of there and been like, dude, there's this fucking Satan kid right there. I need you to help me fucking kill it. Yo, fool! Like Satan's like embodied that devil baby fool. Eh, fool! Come uh, help me well, kill this Satan baby. Satan. It was Satan's son. Yeah, right. The baby. Yes. Yeah. Sometime. Adrian. Yeah. That's what they named it. Adrian. His name is Rocky. It kid. makes me think though. The, so one of the Wife. biggest beefs I have with this movie, and I was telling Chewie this was, I hate that they don't show the baby. I love that they don't show well, the baby. Well, I, I, so it's good and bad. I, I, I think it's good because it's like it leaves it up to your imagination what the baby looks like, which is cool. But 
it's also I think it would have been like way scarier if they showed like a gnarly looking like hoof foot baby I, with like fur and crazy eyes. I thought you got a flash of the baby. No. Like like you a, get its eyes. Like a like, cat, you don't. like a captain You get like Satan's eyes. Yeah, you get like a Captain Howdy no. flash of the yeah, baby. No. You do. Nope. Mm-hmm. The part that we just watched no, that was a flashback of her getting raped by Satan, and she's reimagining oh. the eyes. But I mean, the whole thing was there, like it, has, it has his father's eyes. No, it's it's showing it's a flashback to the what she saw when she was getting raped of Satan's eyes, well, I think it's which, which would be the same eyes. Yeah. But I'm just saying it's not the baby's eyes. I I like I think it's the baby. I like the idea that they didn't show it because, again, anything that you can create is usually going to be scarier than anything anyone can show you, and. Like, I don't know. It just it could have been for a practical reason too. Like, oh, we gotta have it, and it's gotta look realistic. Because if even if it looked horrific, if it didn't look realistic, if it looked at all cheesy and fake, then it would have been like. You mean like when when Satan was raping her, it just looked like a dude covered in mud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't look realistic at all. Oh, exactly. it looked like Satan from South Park. Well, yeah. Nobody really knows what Satan looks like, but. But, I, mean, I mean, I guess it's, it's better than having a guy in red spandex. Yeah. And like, <laughs> they should yeah. have had John Candy from Planes, <laughs> Trains, and Automobiles in that one moment where he's wearing the red devil costume. Going, <laughs> oh, just I was I, I was thinking Al Pacino, Devil's Advocate. Oh, there you go. It's just Al Pacino. Just make it, you know, like. Which, by the way, did you realize that this movie essentially is a sequel to devil's advocate i've never seen devil's advocate i have not seen it in a while yeah well i shouldn't say a sequel but in devil's advocate al pacino is the devil and he's trying to get keanu reeves to mate with keanu's sister to make the son of satan but keanu reeves isn't satan no no al pacino is how did that work i don't know he's the the devil There's like a really weird orgy scene. Like, do does like, de- like does Satan like have sex with Keanu Reeves and then Keanu Reeves has sex with us? No, 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 no. Or like he hijacks his his spunk and just like no, like it's he's like here, borrow my dick for a minute. No, no, no just like mid squirt, he's like bruga de bra. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a just a old school golden age menage a trois. Yeah. All right. Just hey, let's all let's all do this. Like right Eiffel here. Tower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Satan um, on the back end though, right. not the mouth end, the <laughs> south right. mouth. The South Mouth. Always Correct. take it to the South Mouth. Um, let's go ahead and start <laughs> talking about this movie in terms of a couple of the details of it. So t- tell us a little bit. When was it uh, released? Oh. Who's in it? Uh, Who 1968. Uh-huh. Roman Polanski. Yep. Polanski. Fe- features Mia Farrow? Mia Farrow. Farrow? Mia Farrow. Foxrow. Yeah. That's Foxborough, where the Patriots play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and John Cassavetes. Okay. Who I didn't know was a big star yeah. until you told me about it. He is. He's kind of like the OG hipster. He's he's a good looking dude in this movie. Yeah. I'll say yeah. that. So is also, Mia Farrow. Also Not the, a dude, but good looking. <laughs> also the um the doctor, the evil doctor. Well doctor. the obviously oh, evil doctor. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Uh the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah. That, that's what he looks like. He looks like the Dosakis who, guy. Who dude. could be one and the same, by the way. It's true. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle very well could have been the the most interesting man in the universe. Um, anything else? Any other details we have on it? Uh, I don't think so. Although, um, the landlord in the beginning did seem mm. extremely familiar to me. Yeah, a little well, bit. Like, was he in some Adam Sandler flicks? I want to say maybe. I can't think he? of his name. The landlord in the the beginning was 
feel like he's uh Are you, you know, thinking of Ron Howard's brother? What? I don't know. This is like bald brother that sucks. Maybe. <laughs> you know the he one. Does. Shitty Ron Howard. There's Ron Howard and there's He's just in like Ron crappy hor- uh, comedy movies He's all just like, "Hey, Oh no! <laughs> he has like a fucking hand in things. Sounds, uh, sounds like he has a hand. <laughs> he has a hand. He has a fucking hand. Sounds like uh, Chris Elliott, right? In a scary That's movie. A yeah. <laughs> Grab my strong Grab hand. Grab my strong hand. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. So let, let's let's. It, uh, yeah. It was a. I didn't know it was. A, I don't really know much about it, but it was mm-hmm. a novel before. Okay. And Roman Polanski adapted it after the novel. Was it called was the novel called Rosemary's Baby? I don't know. I it, believe I believe it was and just like John's it was like a novel that was like recently a bestseller. Yeah. Like a year and or two. And Roman Polanski I was reading that Roman Polanski didn't know that he could make liberties off the novel. Mm-hmm. Like he just so he followed it like word for word. Oh, okay. So it's pretty close to the novel. It's like yeah. the, one of the closest <laughs> he, adaptations. He was to the unaware. Novel. Yeah. Oh. What a foreigner. Yeah. <laughs> No wonder his girlfriend died. So let me tell you, you mean about his this wife that was pregnant with his child. Were they married? I thought they were yeah. just. I thought they were just together. Sharon, are you talking about Sharon? Yeah, Sharon? I didn't know they were married. They, they, yeah. were married. they were married. So this Polish guy. Womp womp. So this Polish guy directs a movie. <laughs> um, so when did? Oh, when, so when did the Manson murders happen? The, the fa- Manson family a, murders. Like a year or two after this. Was it sixty nine? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I want to say it was sixty nine. I want to say it was like a year. Well, a year after the release, maybe two oh, years totally after right. the, well, yeah, the filming. Yeah, 69, su- Summer Love. Yeah. 69, 69, yeah. Yeah. And so so this movie is about an, an occult stealing a baby, and a year or so later, Roman Polanski, the director of this film's wife, gets murdered by an occult while she's pregnant. Yeah, and yeah. they, they wrote Helter Skelter in yeah. Blood on the Wall, which was a Beatles song, which John Lennon, who was in the Beatles, lived in the same apartment building, the Dakota, that this movie was filmed in, and he was later murdered out in front of that building. And Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah. Six yeah. degrees. There's so many like links. Oh, and the, and the song Dear Prudence that John Lennon wrote and sang uh, was about Prudence Pharaoh, Mia Pharaoh's sister. Boom. Shit. That's crazy, dude. I just read all that on IMDb. <laughs> that's weird. That's a, that's really weird, fool. In other news, Roman Polanski's in jail. Really? Is it for like humping a underage girl? Yeah, like thirteen year old. Or something. Oh wow! Yeah. Of course. I don't think it's Did American actually... jail. I think he's in <sighs> in like Swedish. Wasn't that from like way long ago though? Yeah, and he, he got like convicted that. like nine or ten years after it happened. Right, but. Did he just go to jail? I thought that he I heard to jail rum- in like 2005. I heard rumblings about him going to jail for that, or like they were talking, okay. investigating it. But I don't know that he actually. Somebody needs went. to to tweet at us what year he went to jail. But, but I swear it was like it, five or six years ago. Didn't um, what's his name? Um, Woody Allen. Woody Allen. Yeah. Thing? Uh, no, he didn't. Yeah, he, didn't he. he married his adopted daughter. But, but wasn't like, she underage? Uh, they got married when she was 17, though. So they were. It was legal because they got married. Not if you're married, bro. Or I guess not in New York or something. I don't know. New York's weird. Um, he never <coughs> went to jail. But didn't you say earlier that Mia Farrow? Yeah, Mia was married, Farrow was married to, to Woody, Allen? Woody Allen. Oh, really? at one point. So there's Frank Sinatra, then Woody Allen, and then also in this movie, fucking what's his face, uh, guy. So that's three times that Mia Farrow has been married to a monster. Um, <laughs> yeah, know, I'm just saying. 
Frank Sinatra is an idiot for letting her go. She's a fox. <clears throat> Unless she sucked in real life. I don't know. I don't know. She could have sucked. She could have. <laughs> what, um, uh, what else was she in? Because I do Mia not. Mia Farrow? Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. She's not in like a ton of stuff, but like she's in stuff. She's sprinkled throughout like some major stuff throughout the years. Oh, and it, then, interestingly, she was in The Omen. Yep, she was in The Omen as like the she? nanny. The nan yeah. that kills herself? Yeah. No, no, not the one that kills herself. The one that's like trying to like raise like um, Damien and being like. She's in the original Great Gatsby. That's okay. the only other thing I know of him. Hmm. You know the, not to get off off track, but the Omen came out on uh, June sixth, two thousand six. The yeah. new one. The so new one. The new one. Yeah. Oh, oh that was Daisy something I read about. This movie was, in the movie, the baby was born in June. Yeah. Which is the sixth month in nine? And the movie takes place in nineteen sixty six. Exactly. They don't, so many sixes. I, to me, <laughs> they really don't. Um, Hide the fact that there's a lot of demonic forces going on. Like I don't know if it's supposed to be subtle, but like the strange oh, herb you... that she keeps bringing up, the yeah, the uh, tantus yeah, yeah. root, tannis. Yeah, and uh, like they they kind of made it a big reveal that the doctor that she was going to see was part of the occult. I was like, no, clearly yeah. he's a part of the occult. They called no, yeah. him for her. It's yeah. it's it's like very early on. You're like. Something's going on. They're yeah, all working together. I mean, is, you don't necessarily know that it's like Satanists necessarily, yeah. unless like you knew about it before you saw the movie kind of thing. I was but. fishy once this new doctor came in and he's like, yeah. no, don't take any pills. Drink this juice that this lady's going to give you. I was like, yeah. no juice? doctor ever What the ever fuck is this that. juice shit? Yeah, which was like, drink. what was that, an Oreo cookie shake? <laughs> yeah, dude, it looks delicious. I wanted it. Oh, you yeah. mean that, that chocolate mouse with the undertaste? Yeah, the mouse. The mouse, <laughs> yeah. What the heck? I hear oh, you got. Are you I hear you got. I hear you got bit by a mouse. <laughs> are you pregnant? Yeah, you know I didn't really. That neighbor sucked. Yeah, by the, way. yeah. the 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 old uh, people. Casa Casanetti's. Casavetti's. Is it Casavetti's? Don Casavetti's. The actor in this movie. No, isn't it? What is it? You know, it's close. You're right. It's Casavet or something or Cavet. Cat. Yeah, something like that. Castavet. Isn't it, isn't it interesting too that um, guy who ultimately joins the occult in the original scene says, "No, I don't want to get mixed up with these old people because you know then they'll just keep hanging around and then yeah. we'll have to make it a thing of it." And then she's like, "Well, I'd like to go, but you know, if you don't want to go, we don't have to go." Like the typical, yeah, like like girl move. No offense, ladies. <laughs> uh, we don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. And yeah. then he was like, "Well, that's an obvious sign. We have to do it." And she's like, "No, seriously." So- and then. So he was the one who didn't want to do it, and then they eventually do do it, and yeah. he gets signed up. He tried I, to avoid his own fate. It's, so it's weird. It's weird to me how he just out of nowhere yeah. is a satanist. Like it didn't seem like he was in the beginning of the movie. Well, that's the thing, and that's I think where you have part of the mystery. Was he always part of that deal? Like from before they moved mm. in there, and it was just kind of the whole like again part of the grand scheme, or was it once he was talking to? Uh, the old guy, remember yes. when when they finally are there, and then you know he's talking with them and he has like fun. Like, did Here's, he mention I, something to I, him there? I'm gonna that go got him signed up. I'm gonna go with the idea that he was already a Satanist because mm. the whole movie you kind of seem like he's not into Mia Farrow, into Rosemary. Yeah. Like she, she even like, says he's conceited. Like, yeah, like, like he's the, the like he's like always she's pissed like, off at her. She's and, like, like, oh, let's make love, and then like when they first move in, he's just like. 
who just turns off the light and just, just like whips okay. his dick out. Yeah, yeah. like but it like, could be that. Yeah, I, 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 it almost seems like he was. I don't know. Like every scene, it just seemed like he was like annoyed by her and like just putting up with her, and then. I don't know. Then he's like, "Hey, Satan, help my wife." Here's what I'm gonna go with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm gonna hop right into my killer dissection for this, and that's oh, killer dissection up front, up front, full frontal. He was not a satanist or satanist um, (laughs) until the second meeting with the Cassavets. The first meeting, which he reluctantly doesn't want to go to, he goes to Cassavets. Finds out that he is not really doing anything with his career. Yeah, because remember, he's like, oh, you must be getting all the parts. And he's like, yeah, well, you'd think so. Yeah. Then he decides to go back later without Mia Farrow, Rosemary. So the second night he goes back without her, then shortly after that is when the actor that gets the part over guy goes blind. Yeah. I think he goes back the second night. Cassavetes makes he essentially makes a deal with the devil mm-hmm. and says all right Cassavetes, i'll give you my child which you learned about in the first meeting you give me a hollywood career because he was vain and desperate for hollywood yeah right and that's where the deal is made and he becomes a satanist because he's pretty reluctant there in the final scene he, or not reluctant but uh re- resentful like, yeah he's scene, like right? reassuring to her and he's like, but like we'll that. have everything we ever wanted and we'll have kids and she's spits so, it's, in his it's, face. so it's almost like he actually was with her like prior and mm-hmm. like genuinely at one point and then like his career which leads into my killer dissection which is john cassavetes who's famous for making what they call cinema verite, or like verite means truth. He makes documentary style narratives. So it looks like a documentary, but it's actually a written scripted narrative. And he's also famous for a lot of improv between his actors' dialogue. He's like, I'll write the script. I won't write the dialogue. You improv it. But he would, he would very famously act in other people's movies to finance his own directed films. So he's a director and an actor. And he would act in movies like for Roman Polanski and whatnot because people liked his good looks. He had this charm. He'd use the money he got to go make movies. And just to bring this full circle, he he trades in his baby to have a career in Hollywood, which also says something a little something about Hollywood, right? It's kind of indirectly saying you have to sell your soul to be a star in Hollywood, which... You know, you could arguably say John Cassavetes did that to make his own movies. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, my little killer dissection here is that's a really subtle way to it's a it's a very direct casting and subtle way to kind of bring about this really deep theme on Hollywood. Interesting. I hadn't looked at it that way. My only thing is. Not, I'm not challenging your theory, but <clears throat> challenge away. Why did they pick? Why did they pick her? That's, that's they seem to like at the end, like they seem to say, like you were chosen by him. Yeah. But it's like, but if you're going off your logic, like he was just like, oh hey, we're trying to have a kid. You guys want yeah. our kid? Like it was almost like chance or like like. I, I, you're right. I, I it think, does seem coincidental that they moved into that apartment. I think the truth in, in terms of this plot lies somewhere in between what you guys are saying, where. Yeah, it's obvious that he, you know, he makes the deal with the devil so that he can have a better career and all that stuff. But I don't think it happens in the movie. I think it happens beforehand, 
and all the stuff before they first go to that dinner, that first dinner with the old couple, the Casanandis, Casavets, Um, I think all of that is him just kind of going through the motions of like, yeah, it's, it's the elaborate setup of the whole like, oh, we just happened to find this one. Oh, yeah, I guess you talked me into it. Sure, whatever you want. I love you. This is for you sort of thing. But really, you know, pre-planned it. It it was pre-planned in some way that he was to, you know, okay, you need to give us a child, you know, the blood of a child or whatever it is, you know, and it's one of the, and in terms of it could have been because he was with her already and maybe he was approaching like, hey, so you're not doing... So it could be one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, you need to make it seem like it's chance, but it's really not sort of What's thing. What's weird, too, is he is an actor. You, if you think like before that whole. Uh, That's true. He is an actor. Oh, huh. before um, like the first time when uh, the Mrs. Castavet and like that other old hag with the wide body comes yeah. in. Um, <laughs> wide load. <laughs> right before they give her the Tannis yeah. necklace. Um, they're talking and, and Rosemary is like, oh, I just started my period today. Yeah. Kind of giving like, like, oh, I'm like, I guess, well, I'm not pregnant. Are you fertile right when you're, I think it's right after, right after. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, seems like that night or the night after that, that's she when... is raped by Satan. Yeah. I guess it's Satan. He can impregnate you whenever he wants. You know, yeah. but I think it's right after because then it's like baby night. They circle the two or yeah, the Cassavetti like, circles the, the two. But like, isn't this it is weird? Like when, when, like, when, when guy comes home and Rosemary is like holding some weird coin in her hand yeah. and like to mean that she's pregnant and he's like, Oh cool. No, oh, no like that's because the... they, they bet a quarter on whether or not she would get yeah. pregnant. No, no. But even then, like he still didn't seem like super stoked. Like he seemed like he was like, Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. He was like, Oh cool. Yeah. Put that away. Oh, I get cool. it. You're pregnant. A, your mom. Well, yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of tells me like the whole, like, it's part of the plan. Like, oh, okay, step one complete anyway, moving forward yeah. sort of thing. You know, and then it seemed like after he went to the kitchen, he's like, oh, shit, I got to act excited. You know, and then he, like, turns it on or something yeah. like that. What do you guys make of the early death of the strange roommate that the Casabets yeah. took in? That's what I was going to ask or bring up, too. Because first, the first time watching this, I yeah. thought maybe she was, like, the occultist or the Satanist, you know? Because, like... Because who was she? Like, was she a family to them? No. They, they picked they her up. They rescued her. Yeah. The, yeah according drugs. to the story, they picked her up off the street. So it's one, in my eyes, it's one of two things. Either they picked her up to do it. You know what I mean? Like, because they were going to do this whole thing with her. And that means that when they say Satan chose you out of all the women in the world, that's just a lie, you know, to make her feel special. Like, you know, so she's okay with it. Yeah. Um, so that she doesn't herself ki- commit suicide like the other girl did. I think that would be a reason why she would have committed suicide and jumped from the window is because, oh, shit, you know, what have I gotten myself into? And there was that note, remember, that they gave her. And then, like, when yeah. they f- looked in the uh, – oh, no, that was beforehand. But there was, like, that um, – No, the cops handed her the Mrs. Castaveda note that she yeah. had written. I don't yeah. remember what it said. Did it show what they said? No, no, no. I was it, remembering. Yeah, did they ever reveal what that note said? No, no. But there, I was remembering something that they found in um, before they moved in when they were looking at the apartment. There was something written like, I didn't agree to this or something like that. Um, or like, I can no longer be associated with this or something like that. Um, and it's either the 
old lady who lived there who was like, fuck this shit, and like, you know, died mysteriously. Um, or whatever, you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff in this movie that really confused me and like bugged me. So, number one, uh, there's a scene when <clears throat> after she, I think, I think, yeah, it was after the time, the first time they go to the Castavet's house and she's like, She's like, did you notice that all their pictures were yeah. taken down and there was like mm-hmm. marks around like and there's only one yeah. picture of it yeah. and it didn't match up with like the the outline or whatever. And then she's like dreaming about like yeah. nuns mm-hmm. and like them boarding up a window. Like I didn't understand that scene at all. Well, a uh, house of nuns is called a covenant. Yeah. And a house of witches is a covenant. Also called a covenant. Okay. I thought it was a coven. Oh, is it coven? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was covenant for both, which was strange. No, uh, never uh, mind, bro. I mean, but like, what was like? like was that like a memory of the, hers? The photos I get Could because be. the photos were yeah. of his father, who he was trying to hide it was, it was, because he was well known that he was a well. It was witch the paintings master. that you see at the end. You know, yeah. at the at the of end, the, of, you see the painting. Well, that yeah, you know, I, of the church burning and all that. That's not what I'm. I'm more like confused about her dream thing that she had. Of like the, those nuns, and then she's like talking to him in her dream. I don't, like I just didn't understand like what that had to do with the movie or like that that time. Of the movie. I think that has to do with her background because you know she mentioned she was raised Catholic, but she's know? like I she's like I told them to to whatever brick up the windows and it seemed like it was right after that girl jumped out of the window. Yeah, it seemed like that. But then also like I was talking to James earlier, like when right before she gets nailed by Satan. But she falls asleep. Like, what yeah. the hell is that? Like, why is she on a boat? She's on a boat. Like, why is she dreaming that she's on like a like a yacht and like all like it's so weird. Like, I don't understand it. I mean, personally, I, I think in that sense, it, it's either that every single thing in that sequence means something, and it's just so obscure that you know we're not seeing it, or it's just her fucking tripping on the, the drugs that are in the moose that she ate. Cause she didn't eat all of it. So it wasn't enough to put her out completely like it was supposed to, right? She dumps half of it. So I think it's just that weird in between state where she's like drifting in and out. So she's like dreaming about something or not. Um, there's as far as being on a boat, I'm like, I maybe maybe it was supposed to like make her just have a dream, and her dream was being on a boat in a bikini, and then yeah. but then like being down below was like the realistic part, yeah. and like being that's, surrounded by a bunch of naked old people. Yeah, and that, I mean that's what I think. It could be if they're moving her, that's where the water comes in, like the motion or something like that. You know, being moved or whatever, and like, but basically, I think it's just she's drifting in and out, and it's your brain trying to make sense of you know yeah. being half asleep and and kind of drifting in and out like that. What else, James? Do you know? Have you seen any other Roman Polanski movies? Yeah, I've seen a couple. Are they all kind of like art artsy kind of? No, different. No? no. In fact, I think the last one I saw was Ghost Writer. W R I T. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago, right? Two thousand seven or something. Eight? Oh, it was way later than that. No, 2007 or 8 with Ewan McGregor. I thought it was just in the last couple of years and that he, came out. And he's writing the, he's ghost writing a politician's novel and gets, he gets basically just twisted up into a political thriller. But it, I mean, it's like your standard. 2010. Kind of, okay, 2010. Standard like thriller movie, you know, political thriller. Just like uh, that one Dennis Quaid movie that sucked pretty hard. 
that was like an hour and 20 minutes. I don't, you know, just standard affair. Yeah. He doesn't always do these like crazy. What about his earlier stuff? I, stuff. I feel like his I mean, earlier like stuff time, might have been, right? Yeah, his, his earlier stuff does seem pretty avant-garde. He did that one, I forget what it was called, but it's like where two men are like moving this like dresser like through the forest or something like that, like in Poland. So like that. it was like one of his first films. Sounds, sounds like the the Russian guy, like uh, Alexander. Alexander. He did something like that. Um, or I, I don't know if it was like a, a, basically a ripoff of that or, or kind of influenced by that. Um, I was watching Very that documentary. Ingmar Birdman type yeah, of Yeah, yeah. I was watching that documentary series on Netflix called uh, The Story of Film. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like they got a ton of episodes and each episode is yeah. like an hour long. And yeah, it's, yeah, I have. And it's narrated by an Irish or yeah. Scottish dude, right? And he just talks like this. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. This scene. I have actually. Just see it all play out. Uh, oh, yeah. No, he Taking did. Taking its time. Pol- <laughs> Polanski did The Pianist, The mm. Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp. About oh, the really? gate? Yeah, about the yeah. gates of hell. I like that movie, but I that's it wasn't a very well. Mm. I oh, guess he did a uh, Chinatown. I didn't know that Chinatown. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, Chinatown's so good. But yeah, it's it's a good that's a good documentary series if you're interested in seeing just film in general. Is uh, the story of film? It, it talks about kind of the more obscure side of classic film and influences and all that sort of stuff. Um, Watch and rewatch the first three episodes. Those are the best. Yeah. Yeah, I literally just watched it all like on a loop and stuff. Um, the so you you have the with the nun dream though. There's something about I think, and, maybe, and given the time period that this was those, too, yeah, like you have because there's obviously very clear things. Obviously, okay, they're Satanists, you know, or whatever, and they have the whole thing where they're like, oh, the Pope is going, oh, re- religion, it's all showbiz, right? They're just clearly trying to be like, oh, just anti-religion. It, it, it doesn't make sense, whatever, whatever. And not only that, but getting trying to get her to admit it, because I think that's one of the steps you have to like do or whatever, you know, is denounce religion or whatever, or denounce uh, God. God is dead. Because, well, she's they're, they're like, she's like, oh, that's offending. You're like, no, it's not. You don't believe that, do you? Or whatever. Bless you. Bless you. May, may the Lord bless and keep you. But, um, you know, he's all he's like, oh, she doesn't believe. Oh, sneeze time. Sorry, guys. It's all right. Um, she doesn't, you know, believe all that. And so like and she's like, well, you know, I was raised Catholic. And he's like, oh, see, but you were like, you're not anymore. Right. And stuff like that. And and later you have um, the uh, you have guy. He's watching like the Pope going to Yankee Stadium. And he's yeah. like, look at that. The Pope in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> Like one of my commercials could be there. Like just talking about the trivia, like how they trivialize, you know, uh, religion and, and mass market it as a product rather than, you know, a belief system or something like that. Um, and then you have like the the weird dreams. So I think it's like the whole thing of being like, well, you have people that are devout, the people who will go to Yankee Stadium to see the Pope, right? And you have the people who are sitting there being like, that's a joke. And you have people like her who's in between, and it's like, well, what are you going to do with that faith? Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I don't know if like, at first I was, I was thinking that like this movie was trying to like poke fun at religion or whatever, like a lot of movies do, you know, but I think it's more of just him cashing in on 
like at this time, like late sixties, early seventies, like Satanism was like huge and like very the, controversial and very like in, in occults and stuff like that was very prominent. So I think like it was more like he was just cashing in on that like this, fear tactic. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely the transition between like the free love into like the LSD movement of like. Hey, we're all togetherness yeah. into occultness. Well, because wasn't the Church of Satan like Anton LaVey and stuff like that like prominent in this time? Like, I think it's r- of... right, right around here. This is where it yeah. starts to begin. Like, civil rights turn into like free love and then free occultness. Yeah. Well, you ain't free. Hey, so do you think, by the way, talking about the opening, the old lady that yeah mysteriously dies mm-hmm. in the apartment first and she she clearly moves that like huge dresser in front of the door that we yeah. later find out is the portal to like the secret meeting yeah area apartment um so are we to believe that the old lady would not join the occult move the dresser there to keep them out and instead this powerful coven of witches curses her and kills her I think it's more that because that door, I think was because remember they said in the beginning like oh your your apartment used to be the back half of these people's apartment the, and, the, it's, and and the people are the the old couple right yeah so that door leads into their apartment right okay so through that little closet space thing or whatever so. I think basically like what they did is they just built a closet around it and stuff like that to make it its own thing. Um, and I think whoever lived there before was a part of it and basically is like, you know, oh, I can't, you know, do that anymore, you know, or whatever. So they're like, okay, fine, fuck it. Let's kill her or she left or whatever the case is. And before um, these people moved in, they just, the coven itself was like, okay, well, we got to hide that door. Let's just put it there. I think it had nothing to do with her moving in. Oh, or... so you you think the covenant actually hid the door? Yeah, the I think coven, the, sorry, I think the they coven. just hid the door so that way it doesn't look like there's a direct entrance to it. But the door was to the closet, and then you had to take the closet shelves down to see the door into the. Yeah, exactly. But then the real estate agent goes and unearths that, but he's like, "This is the other end, and this is probably the door to their apartment." Yeah, yeah. I feel like they killed the old lady. The yeah, coven, I, the probably. Co- the coven I, I had so. had some serious bewitching power. Yeah, I mean, straight up, they're like, "Oh, you have one of their possessions," and you would think it'd be like, "Oh, get some of his hair, or get some, you know, personal item." But it's like, no, there was the dude got his uh, other actor's tie, tie and then a, a glove. glove. Yeah, like just random shit. I also think the coven might have convinced that first chick we meet. With the tannis root around yeah. her, her neck to kill herself. You think they convinced her to kill herself? I think they bewitched her. Does she have it on on her neck first? Yes, because when we first meet her, meet her she's in the laundry, laundry room. Yeah. And she has the, the tannis root around her neck, meaning huh. like she was the chosen one. And then she's later killed. And I'm wondering if I, that's because she was infertile? I don't know. It could I think be it could be either one. I think it could be either mm-hmm. she killed herself because she yeah. didn't want to be part of it, or she didn't ag- wouldn't agree with it, so they bewitched her to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It I mean, could have been maybe she was pregnant, got like wise to it, and killed herself. I, I think it's either she killed herself Would've because really you know she realized like oh shit you know because she mentioned she was living with them for about a month. Yeah. Although although you're right though, a day after she meets. 
Rosemary. Mia, Mia Farrow, Ro- Rosemary. Yeah. A day after that, she kills herself. So yeah. she probably didn't discover some scheme in a day, right? Uh, she might have. She could have. Possible. I mean, it's possible. Uh, or she already kind of had inklings of it and just like, fuck it. I'm going to kill myself. Or uh, like, I think what you're saying, because of her past and like being straight yeah. out on drugs. Yeah. It's like, oh, it didn't take. She's infertile. It's a waste of time. Um, but I don't. I, I mean, if anything, I just feel like they would just kill her straight up. You know what I mean? The fact that she died wearing it. Or or that it was her. Oh well, we don't know that she, she died wearing it. She doesn't die wearing it. Yeah, they just she the old lady gives it to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so How, we don't know for sure if she had it. They could have taken it back and killed her. Yeah, you were saying something. No, I was just say like. It was just funny how like how shittily the old lady gave it to her too, like wrapped it yeah, in like, like, oh, tissue I'm paper. Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it was like at, at first when she first grabbed it, I thought it was like like food wrapped up in a little napkin. <laughs> well, and that's that's the first the real big clue that that Mia Farrow receives because the old lady doesn't know that she had become aware of that particular that tennis yeah that thing. tennis room yeah. like container thing globe. So. You know, that would have been the first thing where she was like, uh, she should have done that. There was a lot of red flags, but it, it's just it's really interesting to kind of see how it all played out and has to do a lot with, I think, kind of medicine at the time. And I think there's something here about like um, social responsibility and, and the commentary on your like social commitments and stuff like that. Referring to like the doctors? Or? Re- referring to like, well, the doctors and her role in society were back then when it was, where it takes place in the 60s, right? In 66, 65, 66. It was all about, you know, and, and that's where like that, the evil doctors like, don't talk to your friends about this. Like don't read books and like, don't do that. It was all about, who told you what, you know, and oh, here's this. And it was just all super trusting. And you did what people did and you let them into your house. And it was all just one big, you know, like party. You know what I mean? Um, and it, to that cause, <laughs> you would have some problems that arose from that. I mean, in, in the movie, and I'm sure at the time, you know, she's pregnant and their friend, her like real friend that comes to visit uh, Hutch. Yeah. Or whatever. Who, by the way, d- weird, like no intro. She's like, oh, Hutch, this and this and that. And then he's like way older than her. And you're, I'm like, who is this guy? Did you catch, too, that he is a he writes books for small boys? Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. Laurel and Hardy or what? <laughs> I don't I don't know, dude. Maybe it was more of the time and I just don't know about that. But that just seemed like a weird statement. I, it might be the title of the series. Books for small boys. Yeah, like books for small boys or something like that. Oh, you know, well, I like guess that that yeah. That sounds like a thing yeah. back then. Like, oh, just books for small uh, boys. Young, they have the young scouts guy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. something like that. Um, well, wasn't that like, in that scene where she's like on the boat when she's dreaming and stuff like that? And she's like, "What about Hardy?" And he's like yeah. there with like fumbling with a bunch of maps in his hand. Yeah, and like, yeah. Like, There's a typhoon coming. Yeah, yeah. That, exactly. That's that sequence is something straight out of like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I, I, I feel was, like it has to mean something. It was at yeah. that. It was at that point. It got so ridiculous so fast that I wanted to slightly stab Roman Polanski. I was <laughs> well, like, "What? What is I mean, this? That dream sequence, whatever. On whether it's hallucination, this that. It, it's it's her subconscious trying to yell at her, being like, "Hey, this and this and that." 
and kind of her fears as to what might be occurring, that there's like another, uh, you know, there's a plot against her and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, the dude bites the dust simply because he lost his glove. Someone lifted his glove and he gets that book. You know, what was the name of the book that he all, gifts her? All, uh, all them be witches. All, yeah. all of them witches. All, all of them, all of them witches. Yeah, something like that. Which and then she's playing like Scrabble by herself. No, it's like she, uh, she's trying to figure an out anagram. the anagram. Because remember, he, oh, she takes the Scrabble tiles yeah, and she, is trying to make an the, anagram. Uh, Got it. The guests or whatever that he had that like was taking care of him while he was like dying in a coma was like, oh, he told me to tell you the name as an anagram, and then. She leaves. She leaves. And so for the first part of it, when she's trying to figure it out, she's looking at the title of the book. But then she notices a page that's dog-eared and there's a name that it's like underlined or whatever. And she takes that name and it turns out to be the other dude and all that sort of stuff. But like how gnarly is that to just be like, hey, um, I'm going to give you a coded message. By saying, like, oh, there's this one name that's underlined in this book, and it's an anagram for something. You're supposed to be able to figure it out from there. Yeah, it is very codified, even though the book is delivered straight to her by his assistant. So it's not like he had to get it past the witches. Exactly. Interesting. But, you know, whatever. You know, dramatic effect in the movie. I'm sure, again, that could have been part of the actual book all, itself. All yeah. them witches. All damn witches, all damn bewitches, dog. I also Wish like. Don't kill my vibe. If you, if you need, <laughs> seriously though, if you needed an indication that Roman Polanski was gonna have sex with a thirteen-year-old, within one minute he films a man raping his drunk drug wife, yeah. and then Satan raping the same lady. Yeah. I mean, that, I was just, I was just turned off. Yeah, at that when point. she, like, this isn't even scary. This is just gross. When she like wakes up and she's like, "Oh, these claw marks." She's like, "Oh yeah, I already filed them down. Don't worry, won't happen next time." She's like, "While I was asleep." He's like, "Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I figured might as well. We were supposed to." She's like, "Well, you could have waited till the could have waited until the morning." He's like, "Yeah, but I've been drinking too, so it's no, no, okay." No. He's like, <laughs> "Yeah, but I was loaded." Yeah. He, his his justification was, yeah, well, I was drinking, so fuck it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so fuck it, I fucked you. You had passed out. I had a couple beers, and so I just not? I just had sex with you while we were passed I out. I had a couple of vodka hots, and <laughs> things got weird. And then I invited Satan in. Yeah. He had a couple of vodka hots. And he then invented he, the vodka hot. He is a vodka hot, and then he did you, and he made your vodka hot with baby. <laughs> What what was what was it that you were saying about the vodka drink that they have in the in the movie? Oh yeah, the um vodka blush. First, yeah, the first uh scene they have with the uh um uh Castavets. Castavets, thank you. I keep wanting to say Castavetes. Castavets. <laughs> uh they bring out um Mr. uh Castavet brings out four vodka blushes, which was not a drink known to mankind before that. So it's interesting. Where, where did that come from? Uh, I don't know if it was from the book or from uh, uh, Romy Polanski because I feel like I know him so well. No, <laughs> no, that was his. Uh, that good was old, his cocktail that he goes good old, to. Yeah, good old Romy Pole. But nobody actually knows how to make it. There's Ropo. A bunch of, I looked it up because I was like, "What the hell is a vodka blush? I'm interested in this." Yeah, 
Nobody actually knows. It's like a lot of people say, just a splash of grenadine, lime juice, and vodka. I was like, that sounds awful. So basically, vodka plus something that makes it kind of red. Yeah, I, I I was looking at that too. It was like, lime juice, splash of grenadine, vodka. And then I was like, they they filled up an entire like champagne flute of vodka then and yeah. just drank it. Yeah. In, in Well, in this movie, given the circumstances, the, the red ingredient was probably blood. You know, just like ch- ch- yeah. child blood. I did get the, the sense that they were consistently feeding Guy and Rosemary blood and demon yeah. things. What was the thing that she herbs. ate that was like flesh? Or was, what did she eat? She, it was something that was basically just like raw. Oh, no. It was, it was like, like the little cake thing. Wasn't that like heart? Something like a heart? Something like that. I don't know. I read the trivia and they said that yeah. it was actually it was raw liver and she actually ate raw liver. Yeah. For it. I think it was like a heart. They're like, oh, if you eat like this raw heart, it's supposed to help you like with the baby. Help yeah. With the baby. Um, hey man, just live her alone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's called tact, you fuck rag. Um the uh, well and it, also when she makes that steak herself. Though she just straight up like let's not talk about the cooking nonsense that goes behind that. She she tosses it like on on like high heat for like literally ten seconds. Yep. Flips it another ten seconds. Done. done. It's called searing, man. Yeah, but she it's only sear- sears it. That, sear- that's it. Searing to the point of I seared it for eleven total seconds and it's well done. Yeah, like on the outside though, because when she cuts it open, it's just like raw. That's the thing. Because she you has know, a thirst for blood. She has a thirst for blood because of the Satan she child. Has, because she, she has, has fed liver, vodka bloods, and uh, <laughs> vodka blood. she, she has the and chocolate, chocolate mouses. Chocolate mouse. Um, she got bit by that chocolate mouse. Um, so oh, I was going to say something about the actual blood lust, like the actual just craving for blood that she had. But I totally forgot it. Got off track with that. Does she crave blood? She craves those like cookie and cream uh, shakes for a little while, and then she like throws them. To the no, side. she's having. Oh no, no, that, well, that's that brought me back to the thing I was saying with the whole like uh, the burden of social uh, obligation and stuff like that. Where at that time it's like the whole like, well, you do what you're told, and someone tells you, hey, you should do this, and you do it because they say you should, and they're older than you, and they're your neighbors, and they've had kids or whatever it is. And you, I know, have gone through this recently where you'd have random strangers being like, oh, you should do this for the baby or you should do this when you're pregnant or whatever. And it's like, leave me alone. You're not my doctor. Go to lunch, lady. Yeah. Go away. (laughs) Leave me alone. And I think, you know, I don't know. It might just be an interesting way to be like, hey, like maybe it's time to start. I don't know if that's at the novel level or if it's at the movie level, but something to be like, hey, let's not um, necessarily just take things that people give us at face value simply because they just say it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like old school Wikipedia. Well, Wikipedia says it, so it's got to be true. You know, that's that's not the case. Um, The music in this, I thought, was pretty interesting as well. We usually talk about the music, so I feel like we should talk about it. I felt like that was a... Uh, probably the straight out like creepiest part. It reminded me of Suspiria a little bit, the Argento flick we yeah. watched. But um, the the music creeped me out, and the rest of the movie kind of disgusted me. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked the score the best, probably out of out of everything. The, the opening uh, mm. song was the best. I think. <clears throat> I mean, just opening with that like lullaby sounding, yeah, like, with, with that like like flying through the rooftop, yeah, pan. 
it just sounded so like if it was just like music like yeah. a xylophone or something like lullaby-y kind of sounding just be so soothing. it'd be somewhat creepy because yeah. you know what the movie is but then the fact that it's like that voice like humming that that I've, tone was even creepier and that's actually Mia Farrow singing that guys. is it yeah oh. Oh. I also am a little biased because you you heard a lot of background of Beethoven's yeah for Elise for, for Elise which is like like one of my favorite classical songs like it's, and it's also pretty creepy. yeah it's constantly in the background like yeah. through the walls yeah oh. and it's which is happens to be in Charlie Brown too um I catch that I wonder why that specifically constantly and not just classical in general. Like I wonder if yeah, there's, I don't know. It's uh, to me, it's the creepiest Beethoven. I don't, I don't Maybe know. Maybe simply because of like the, the creepiness of it. Yeah. It's kind of eerie to me. Um, you have this, this, the song, right? You have like the lullaby sounding thing. And then, you know, the music throughout, it's kind of like this piano. And as things start, as she starts putting things together, the music, it's still the same tune, but it starts to become a little bit more distorted, artificial. It has lots of weird, you know, artifacts to it. It eventually becomes, I don't know if it's an actual synthesizer or if they just took that, you know, piano recording and processed the hell out of it to where it was playing the actual tune. But it was, had this weird, like, pulsating, like. Oh, it was almost like her, she's like losing clarity because her mm-hmm. mind is so clouded, and so is the music. Yeah, a- exactly. Absolutely. And I thought that was kind of a cool little thing for that. They, they did this. It's a cinematic technique. I forget what it's called, or it's a storytelling technique where uh, you, as the audience, whether it's in a book or it's in uh, a movie or a TV show or whatever it is, you know what the the main character, the let's say the protagonist is doing what they're thinking, you know, what others around them are doing and thinking. So you essentially, you see the person, you know, way down on one side of the tracks with their foot stuck in the train tracks. And then you also at the way at the other end, see the train coming. So you're like, Oh shit, this ain't good. And you know, you kind of see that where that person doesn't see it until it's too late essentially. And that's basically what happens in this movie where we're talking about where it's not very subtle, maybe up front. We, yeah. we get, we know early on, like shit's weird. Like you need to get out of there. This is not cool. But to her, she's only getting snippets of it. She's only getting, you know what the doctor is saying, yeah, that, you know, you're talking about uh what would be like third person omniscient viewing mm-hmm. where, you know, the state of mind of all the characters. Yeah. Um, which is which is mostly true, yeah. Except you don't know for sure that they're a cult until later, but pretty much, yeah. You know, you, there's an ulterior motive. I, I do wonder though, when this like, if I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the theaters in 1968 when this came out, if I would think that the hints are more subtle and I wouldn't catch on right away, because I feel like this movie is pretty classical in the mm. scope of you know, scary movies. It's and very so, well known, the plot. Yes. And all, yeah. So I was, having never seen it, I was still somewhat aware that she had some sort of demon child. So I picked up on it immediately once, you know, the drug addict chick killed herself, like jumped out the window. I was like, oh, okay, it's the old couple. They're freaking trying to abduct this baby. But I wonder if, if you saw it in theaters when it came out, if you might be less inclined to understand what's going on. Well, I think, yeah, I mean... Just in society, like you not seeing Rosemary's baby ever, you knew essentially what it was. I do did know that her baby was demonic, some sort of a yeah, like yeah. Satan's 
seed or something. Right. So like, I think like you're saying, yeah, it's true. Like if you saw this, not knowing anything about the movie back then, it was probably a lot more subtle. Oh yeah. Yeah. And probably a lot more scary. Yeah, I agree. Or creepy, I guess. Well, and and I think that's kind of what it comes. That's what I was talking about before, where it, it's the state of of affairs at the time. You know, it, at the time, all those behaviors, which mm-hmm. I'm watching, being like, uh, no, <laughs> you don't just go into someone's house and just oh, here's some random food, and you just take that. You're not like the doctor who's like, oh, well, you know. Between you and me, the, the old dude has like a month to live, and I know this and that. So I'm just yeah. going to lie to them and tell them this, so that way you know whatever. Like, we're like, no, that doesn't happen because that's not how they happen now. We know there's rules against certain things. But, we, but we, maybe it happened then. At then, you know, at that, at that time, it was like that would have been the norm. So it's just like, oh, okay, you know, could have thrown people off the tra- off the trail a little and bit easier. It does tie into the filmmaking style that Polanski's going after here, where it's like, it does seem very handheld and, and like you are w- within Rosemary's like point of view. Mm. There's no POV shots, but it, it definitely seems like we follow her through the entire like film, like a documentary, yeah, like a cinema verite, like a John Cassavetes film. In fact, that he would have directed, so it does follow that kind of like truth. It's trying to tell the truth with the lens, um, uh, storytelling ideal. But I I do think it'd be a lot a lot more subtle, and I might have liked it had I seen it, you know, in the sixties or been alive in the sixties. <laughs> because to me now, I I did not like it. For me, you have the slow creep through, you know, three quarters of the movie. And I, I dig that. I love the stuff when it's like, you know, creeping up and the main character doesn't know. And you kind of see all the parts coming together and where she's kind of putting it together. And they're throwing her off by saying this or that. And or it does seem it very realistic. I came to be like, oh, shit, I guess this could very easily happen. Yeah. It, it, well, you know, for her, like the doctor is like, oh, well, what when she's telling the doctor, oh, they're witches, witches, he's like. Well, yeah, no, I don't. Of course, you wouldn't want to hang around with it. You know what? I'll tell them to stop bugging you. I'll tell them to go on that trip that, you know, whatever. You don't worry about it. You don't need to. You want to take the vitamin pills? Go ahead. At this point, you know, normally it, I, I don't recommend it, but at this point, it, it's good enough, you know. So he regains her trust, and you're like, no, you don't get it, you know. Um, so I, I, I dig that, but once shit hits the fans and, and, and you know, she realizes that doctor's in cahoots because before that he regains her trust by by saying I'll get rid of them don't worry about that and when she goes to see him again be like it's an emergency and and the the uh, front desk lady says the thing about the smell she's like oh yeah he smells like cannabis fruit all the time yeah and like she's like holy shit and just that look in her face like oh fuck. Yeah. It's all of them. Like they're all in this together. And then the phone booth thing. And when she's like pretending to talk on the phone, he's like, Oh, what did he say? What did she say? Oh, that's great. Help me. Someone help me. I think the the big thing is, and knowing the story and knowing that eventually what's going to happen, you figure maybe the other doctors in on it. I thought maybe a thing where she'd be intercepted or something like that, you know, but that moment where he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, he's like, I, don't believe in witchcraft and all that stuff, but I do believe there's lots of crazy people out there that want to harm people. So you're talking about the new doctor, like Doctor Hill, Hill, the original doctor that she, yeah, like gets steered away from. Do, do you think that he was in on it, or that he just thought she was going a little loony? I think that he was in on it. 
Do you think he was he was part of the the coven, or do you think he just thought he, she was loony? I I don't know. I mean, that was kind of ambiguous to me. I was like, yeah. uh, he seems pretty down to earth, and he was not associated with her before the you know demon pregnancy. Yeah, I feel like he was just like your psycho lady. I think that's what, <clears throat> and that's what like kind of sucks about this. Like, it's frustrating about this movie is like the the people who could help her just think that like oh, you're just being ridiculous. Yeah, like because people don't believe that kind of stuff right. necessarily at yeah. this time. So, or sure. they do, but that, they don't think it's real. That know, might be the scariest part, right? Is is trying to convince somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what I think is the coolest and scariest part about this movie is the fact that. There are certain people you clearly know what their motives are, especially at the end of the movie. But there are people where you don't know when they, you know, when did uh, her husband, you know, become part of that same mindset? Was it before they even moved in or was it after, you know, like, did he get convinced? Was this doctor thinking, hey, she's just being crazy. Come here and get your wife and I'm going to call your doctor and you deal with it. I've been up you know, 24 hours straight, like he said, or was he in on it? And was he a decoy to be like, you're going to see this doctor and we're going to steer her away. And that way, in case she thinks whatever, he's our fail safe sort of thing. You know what I mean? You don't know. And I think that's kind of the, the thing this film does best. I, I dug it. I thought there was some really cool shots in it too. And just the way it was shot, like visually it looked really good. Um, like I said, once the shit hits the fans and, and you just see her spiraling and when they're, you know, they trap her and they take her back in the house and you see the people walking in the background after she'd clearly like locked up and stuff before you discover that door. Like, that's just creepy. You just see those people sneaking behind her, you know, across the doorway. I thought it was pretty creepy, you know, and, and so they do some really cool stuff with this, I think, visually. I thought the opening scene was really cool, too. It kind of reminded me, like, not necessarily exactly like, but like similar to The Shining. Yeah, the overhead. Yeah, like, like all over New York and the Central Park, and then over like the where they ended up, you know, being in the hotel and the sorry, not the hotel, the um, apartment complex. Yeah, no, I, I agree, dude. It, with that creepy music and stuff. Yeah, I I dug the movie. I thought for me, it's a cool movie. I'm not saying you know, oh man, it's it's squeaky clean. No, I mean there's some grossness to it. There's some creep factor for sure, like what you're saying, James. But um, I I dug it. For me, it it did its job it gets under your skin yeah and i think that's like what is the i guess like why it's been rated as like one of the top 10 you know scariest movies for a long time is because it's not like a gory horror movie it's this could happen to you yeah and it's just like it's creepy you know what i mean like like it's not like i was i was watching it today with uh with my wife and she's like like super stressed out about it because we just had a kid and stuff and she's i'm like it's honestly like, cause I've seen it before. I was like, it's not like you, it's not terrifying. Like you're not yeah. going to be watching it and be like scared to death. Like yeah. it's creepy, but it's not, you know what I mean? So I, I definitely think that of like, even if you are afraid of horror movies, this movie's not going to like scare you to death. It's more, I guess the idea or the mental part of it. That's like, Oh shit. Like this could actually happen. Or I mean, it's, no, exactly. If you believe that stuff or whatever, but um, you know, but Whatever. I don't know. I know. I, I agree, though. The to me, this movie, if I saw it in the six, it's like a in the sixties. If I saw it, would encapsulate like the feeling of the era. Like yeah. this is totally plausible. It's really, really scary because everyone you know could see themselves in this situation. Nowadays, 
like I, me watching this now, I, I did not like the movie. But I did understand that if you want to know what, you know, the late 60s and early 70s and the transition from like hippies to cultists was like, this movie explains it. Yeah. There's a lot of like trust and, and freedom and, and yeah, openness a lot between of people, people. A lot of people in that time were very naive to like what mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. people could actually like were capable of. Yep. Where now we've seen it all from those time eras or whatever and like. Yeah. We're like, oh, people suck. <laughs> you, yeah, you could make the argument that this movie has helped people defend against the very thing that it does. Yeah. In that, if you're not naive and you're, you know, you're aware of the fact that this happened in the late sixties and, and early seventies and LSD era and whatnot, that like the cult happened and it was strong and throughout America, like we we are we have learned from it and we are now more cautious and better from movies like this. So I, I respect the movie, but I don't think I'll ever watch it again. I would definitely. Anyway, but that that's just our two cents. I think we got a pretty good feel for for uh, how we felt about the movie there. So hopefully there's something uh, in there for you to take away. And you know, if you haven't watched it, I'd recommend watching it. But that's not every, every person's opinion here necessarily. At least not more than once. <laughs> but... We'll go from there. So I, I do recommend seeing uh, John Cassavetti's film Shadows, okay, which is incredibly good. He directed it. He's not in it. What type of movie is that? Is that a horror movie or is that a different type of movie? It is. Uh, it's not a horror movie. It's a hipster movie. Okay. Uh, in like nineteen fifty nine or nineteen sixty, it's hipster before hipster. Maybe Marlon Brando was more hipster than Cassavetti's, but he was right there. Okay. But check that out. It's a really good flick. Nice. Also, check out um, Asher's The Evil Dead, by the way. Have you guys yeah. seen this? I show? saw the first two oh, episodes so, so far. Oh, I I'm a little bit You watched it, so finally? good. The first episode? Oh, yeah. Just yeah. incredible. Oh, so good. Yeah. We I've also, only watched the first two. We also, on the most recent episode of, uh, of uh, Four Color Commentary, we read uh, an Ash... Um, versus or uh, i forget what it's called it's not ash versus evil dead i think it's like evil dead ash versus uh it was like issue eight and it was like basically him versus the uh old school classic universal monsters like dracula and mummy and wolfman and stuff like that um so lots lots of uh, ash love around here for sure but um in any case um so that's that's what we got for this movie here, man. Um, I real quick, I want to just say like I know uh, we've gotten a lot of new followers on Twitter and all that stuff recently, and thank you all for for reaching out to us and hanging out, and we even got a little a little nod um, from the legendary uh, Tom Savini. Right? Did I say that right? Yeah, Tom yeah, yeah. I, just, I always get weird when I have like last names that aren't like Jones, because <laughs> I'm like, is this Savigny? Savigny. Special um, effects uh, uh, master, and also Matt Gorley. Shout out to Matt Gorley and his podcast. Um, I was there too because I love that one, and okay. uh, he gave us a nice retweet um, on an uh, episode he did with PJ Souls from Halloween. Nice. Yeah, Ooh, the blonde nice. bimbo. I mean, on honestly, totally. we had so, we've had so much since the last episode, like you know, fan interaction and stuff via Twitter. It we could not like name everybody necessarily specifically, but thank you all for uh, for all the love and like I said, you know where to reach us. So reach out to us um, before we get going. 
um, we'd like to go go ahead and introduce the next movie that we're going to do so you can go ahead and watch it. Now, in most of these, what we do is movies that have been out for a little while, so you definitely have a chance to find them on Netflix, on Blu-ray, wherever it is that you want to watch it, and you can watch it. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different this time. So this episode, you're probably, you might be hearing this before, uh, it's a very special holiday and that holiday is Krampus Knocked because, you know, as, as, on the Seven Things Podcast Network, we love the Krampus. Um, because of the proximity to it, we don't have the ability to release an episode on Krampus Knocked, but we want to celebrate it. And we're going to do something a little bit different by going for a newer movie, a non-classic, a non-proven classic just yet, at least, um, in the spirit of Krampusnacht. Um, we're going to talk about the new 2015 Krampus movie, which um, actually would be released uh, just recently here, December 4th. It's just going to be on December 4th. Um, we're going to go ahead and watch it and we're going to talk about it. Uh, director Michael Doherty, um, and it's going to be starring Adam Scott and uh, David Cochner. Um, so, definitely, 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 if you're interested in seeing that movie, but you're not going to be able to see it in the next uh, week or two, um, be aware there will be spoilers for sure, you know, because we're going to talk about it. Um, or maybe, hey, listen to it. Maybe it inspires you to go check it out. But we're going to check out the new movie, Krampus, in theaters, December 4th and forward, um, 2015. So yeah, that's all we got here. Oh, by the way, titty count, we got Mia Farrow, and we got some old lady boobs, which I'm not going to count. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to count it as two for Mia Farrow, because, yeah. yeah. Me a pharaoh. Um, we d- <laughs> generally like to leave you guys on a killer line, and this had uh, a plethora of them. But I think we have to go plain and simple here. So I hope you're ready for this. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Hail Satan! This has been a production of the Stuff and Things Podcast Network. Exclusively at stuffandthingsnetwork.com.